thanks for joining us here today at Victory Church, where we invite people to belong before they believe. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, or if any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us in giving to this ministry, we invite you to do so by visiting our website at victory.church. Now, let's check out this week's message. Good morning, good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Uh, by the way, you know, I am six foot two, Pastor John six seven, so I'm a big guy. That's one of you, because I feel so small when I stand next to him. Uh, it's wonderful to be here. Um, isn't it great to be in a room full of people for a change? And with COVID and everything, it's great to be here. I think this is probably the largest, you know, number of people percentage-wise I've seen in any church I've been at. So during... <clears throat> During COVID, you saw the crazy states and the sane states. Isn't it good to be from a sane state? Yeah, you guys, want, Oklahoma is one of the greatest states in America. Good to be here. Pastor John brags on you guys all the time. I just get sick of it. It all, it's all he does is brags on you guys. So what a wonderful church, and it is great to be a part of Pastor John's life. I'm so proud of him and for the man of God that he is and the leader that he is in this wonderful church good to be a part of it. And so I want to get into the message. This message is called The Power to Change. If you have your Bible there, your phone, however you read the Bible there, Romans chapter 7 is where I'm going to begin from in just a minute. So I want to talk to you about something. Now I'm, I'm going to say something that'll be a little hard for you to, to believe, but I'm going to prove it to you from the scriptures. And that is when it comes to change, we're not good changers generally. Um, but there is a way that God has for you to change, and it's not hard, and it doesn't take a lot of discipline. Let me say that another way. Anything that you want to change in your life, you can change it, and it's not difficult, and it doesn't take a lot of discipline. When, when it comes to changing stuff, there are things that we want to stop doing that we're doing, smoking, eating too much, you know, not exercising or something like, or, or doing something like that. But there are things that we need to do, read the Bible, pray, whatever it might be, and so if you're doing something that you want to stop doing or you're not doing something you want to start doing, um, we typically are not good at those types of things. An example would be New Year's resolutions. Most people make New Year's resolutions. According to uh, Nielsen Analytics firm, uh, losing, rate, losing weight is the number one New Year's resolution, uh, followed by finding love and saving more money. But when it comes to keeping those resolutions... Only 64% last longer than the first month. Only 46% last longer than six months. And 88% of people who make resolutions fail. And so what that shows you is we're just not great um, at keeping the resolutions that we make at New Year or any other time when we say, I want to change something. I want to stop doing something or I want to start doing something. We're, we're generally just not, not good at those types of things. Now, that's all the bad news you're going to hear in this message. I wanted to get it all over with at the very beginning. The rest of this message is about this. You can change anything you want to in your life, and it's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of discipline. And when I say that, people look at me funny because uh, it, it's hard to believe, but, but this is what the Bible says. So I want to talk to you about how to do that. If, if you're trying to stop doing something or start doing something, I want to tell you how you can do it. And the first is, is to understand how fallen and incorrigible your fallen flesh is. We all have fallen flesh. It can't be changed. The word incorrigible means it can't be changed. So this is the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 7. And the Apostle Paul is going to confess. Now, if there was a disciplined person 
in the New Testament, it was the Apostle Paul. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. The Pharisees were incredibly disciplined people, wrote most of the, or a lot of the New Testament, just incredibly brilliant person. And so we would say, if there's a good Christian in the New Testament, it, ha- it would have to be the Apostle Paul. But he's going to confess here. In Romans chapter 7, he's confessing his failure as a believer. This is Romans 7, beginning with verse 14. I can anticipate the response that is coming. I know that all God's commands are spiritual, but I'm not. Isn't this also your experience? Yes, I'm full of myself. After all, I've spent a long time in sin's prison. What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary, but I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. Anybody associating with this so far? Yeah, I mean, goodness gracious. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in action. Something has gone wrong deep within me, and it gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's pretty obvious that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. And so the Apostle Paul is just, he's saying what we, if we were all being honest, we, we would write this right here. I, I want to do the right thing. I just don't do it. I mean, I, I'm, I have a desire to do this, but I don't do it. I have a desire not to do this, but that I do it anyway. And I realize that the problem is deep within me. There's a problem deep within me. There's a law of sin that is warring against my members to keep me from doing what is right. In fact, the Apostle Paul, here's what he says. This is in the New King James Version. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. There's a law of sin inside of us. And then he says, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Well, let me say this. Resident within you is a sin nature that will be there until you die or Jesus comes back. It's not going anywhere. Okay. So what is our sin nature? Adam and Eve sinned against God. They died when they sinned. God said, in the day that you eat that fruit, you'll die. They sinned, they died. That's the law of sin and death. They have been passed that on to all of us ever since. We're all of Adam and Eve's children. We, we all have this natural sin tendency that we're born with and that we'll die with. You say, but I'm born again. It doesn't matter if you're born again. You still have that sin nature within you. Now, it can be overcome, but you still have that sin nature within you. This is what Paul is saying. I realize that there is a law of sin in me that is constantly warring against me to keep me from doing the things that I need to do. So we need to understand, if we're going to change, we need to understand the problem with you is you. That wherever you go, you're going to be there. Do you realize that? You can't run from you. Wherever I go, there I am. That's the old saying. And so the problem with us is us. 
I am my own problem. I am the one who keeps sabotaging my best intentions. Well, then the Apostle Paul asked this question, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? That's a good question. He confesses very honestly, who's going to save me? He then answers his question in Romans chapter 8. Well, let me explain. When the Bible was written, there weren't chapters and verses. This was a letter, okay? So he's writing this letter, and when he's writing this letter, it's just, you know, chapter 7 and chapter 8 all flow together. So he asks a question, O wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? Then in the first 16 verses of Romans 8, he mentions the Holy Spirit 15 times. Does that sound like an answer to you? Who, who's going to, I try to change. I've tried everything that I can to change. I can't change. I want to do something right. I can't do it. I, I want to stop doing bad stuff. I can't do it. And I realize I am my own problem. There's a law of sin in me warring against me Every single time I try to do the right thing, parts of me covertly rebel, end up doing the wrong thing. Who's going to help me? The Holy Spirit's going to help us. The answer is the Holy Spirit. So this is Romans 8. I just want, I'm not going to read the entire 16 verses here, but I'm going to read part of it. I want you to notice now, this is his answer to his question. I want you to notice now how many times he mentions the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Well, let me stop there. He keeps going on. He keeps mentioning the Holy Spirit. So his answer is the Holy Spirit. Let me go back to verse 11 because I'm saying to you, you can change anything you want to change through the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me give you a paraphrase of that. This is the King Jimmy version of that verse. <laughs> if the Holy Spirit can raise Jesus from the dead, do you think your physical issues are a challenge to him? That's how it's written. That's the way it's written. Okay. If he can raise Jesus from the dead, do you think your issues are a challenge to him? No, they're not. It's hard for us. We have a problem changing. He does not have a problem changing us. The issue is not our willpower. The issue is His power. And this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. We were never designed to live without the power of the Holy Spirit. From the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 2, it says that God breathed life into Adam's nostrils. When the Old Testament Hebrew was translated into the New Testament Greek, the word uh, breathed in Genesis 2 it was given emphasau. This is a Greek word, emphasau. It means, where we get our word emphysema, it means breath of life. When God breathed into Adam's nostrils, he didn't breathe oxygen, he breathed his Holy Spirit. 
Adam became a living spirit. But when Adam and Eve sinned, the spirit of God departed from them. Three chapters later, it says the earth was full of violence and corruption, and God regretted that he had made man on the earth. That is man without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we are very weak, fragile, corrupt people. With the Holy Spirit, we are glorious people made in God's image that can live the way God wants us to live. We were never, ever designed to live without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the oil the engine of your emotions was designed to run on. And when you put oil in a car, it's amazing. A car can do amazing things with oil in the engine, but you take the best car on earth and take the oil out of the engine, it'll overheat and lock down very quickly. And we are the same way. We were designed to live according to the Spirit. This is Galatians 5. By the way, there are only two choices every day you wake up. You're going to live by the Spirit or live by your flesh. There are only two choices. Here it is, Galatians 5. I say then walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the lust, the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, uh, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such there is no law. And so it says here, if I walk by the Spirit, I won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. So remember it said that uh, if I walk according to the Spirit, I'm not going to carry out the desires of the flesh. And Paul said, the law of the spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. Let me explain this to you. There's a law in you and there's a law in me that is trying to pull us to sin and death. It's, con it's working. The devil uses our own flesh against us, constantly trying to get us to do the wrong thing. And we're very vulnerable to that. You say, how can I be set free from that? Only one way, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. When you're walking in the Holy Spirit, he sets you free from the law of sin and death, and now you're operating in a greater law, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. And what was impossible for you is not impossible for him because he has set you free from the law of sin and death. And that's what Paul, but you only have two choices. You only have two choices. I'm either going to walk by my flesh or I'm going to walk by the Spirit. And that's why things become so very difficult for us. We're not walking the Spirit. You wake up self-discipline and, and it's important to have some level of self-discipline i'm not saying it's not but but trying to do things according to our own discipline is like winding up a rubber band you know you wind it up real tight and then all of a sudden it, it goes the other direction and so you wake up one morning you say i'm gonna lose weight i'm dead gummit i'm losing weight i i'm i'm just gonna eat right and i'm gonna exercise and i'm gonna lose weight so you go one day and you eat right and you exercise you wake up the next morning you lost a little weight you're grouchy you don't feel good but you lost a little weight, you say, you know, doggone it, I'm going to do it again today. So you do it again the next day, and you do it the next day. And you notice you're losing weight. You know, your personality has gone south, but you're, you, look, you look good in your clothes. Okay. And so you do this for six or seven days. You're looking better, you know, and everything and all that stuff. And so, but, you know, it's taken a lot of discipline to do it. And then one night they find you dead in the back of a donut store at midnight. <laughs> you snapped. You couldn't take anymore. You have white powder on you. You died of sugar shock. 
you wind up that rubber band and it just unwinds on you, but not the Holy Spirit. When you change by the power of the Holy Spirit, it's not your willpower, it's His power. And He's the one who ends up changing. By the way, when the sins of the flesh are listed in Galatians 5, there are four categories. The first is sexual sin, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness. The second is emotional sin. And by the way, most of the sins mentioned are emotional sins. Hatred, contentions, jealousy, outburst of wrath, selfish ambition, envy, dissension, murder. The third is sins of excess, which is drunkenness and revelries. And the fourth category is spiritual sins, idolatry, sorcery, and heresies. And you can't, I know that you can't associate with all those, but you can associate with some of them. Okay? We all can associate with some of them. And the point is this, if I'm not relying on the Holy Spirit, that's what's going to happen. It's the natural byproduct of not depending on the Holy Spirit. So let me, so let me talk about condemnation for just a minute. Remember, the Apostle Paul says, O wretched man that I am, who's going to save me from this body of death? First thing he says is, there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who don't, don't walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, so why is there no condemnation? Now I'm going to say something to you that you'll, it's going to be hard for you to understand this, but I'm, I'm going to try to explain it to you. Why is there no condemnation? Okay. God doesn't expect you to change and do the right thing. He knows you can't. Why is there no condemnation? See, when we keep doing the wrong thing and the devil comes to condemn us, you, you're so weak. You keep telling God you're going to change. You don't change. And you say you're going to stop doing that. You've done it a hundred times since the last time you said it. You're just not a good. Now, you need, you need to change before you can come back to God because he's mad at you and he doesn't want to talk to you right now. Because you keep doing the same dumb stuff over and over and over. And we sit there and think, well, that's true. I mean, the devil, he is a liar, but that's all true. And you feel bad about yourself, and you kind of don't want to get around God, you know. Because, you know, when, when you, you can only get as close to God as your concept of Him will allow. And if you think God's mad at you, you're just not going to go run and jump in Daddy's lap. The Bible says that God's throne is the throne of grace, that we can receive, receive mercy and grace in our time of need. But the devil doesn't want you to believe that. But that see, you can't get your act together until you get to God. And when you need Him the most, you deserve Him the least. When we're struggling and we don't deserve God, that's when we need him the most. And that's when the devil's sitting there saying, you don't, don't you dare, don't you dare go close to him. Did you ever watch that movie, Wizard of Oz? Yeah, you did. And remember when they saw the wizard for the first time? The big flashing head that was yelling at him and everybody was screaming and, you know, the cowardly lion was crying and running and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's the way the devil wants you to view God. His barking head a flashing head that doesn't like you and is mad at you. Because you're not going to hang around that God for very long. Remember when they came back the second time and Toto pulled back the curtain and they saw this sweet man from Kansas behind the curtain? And they realized that was the real wizard? That's the way God wants you to see him, is the sweet person he is. God is sweet. And he's kind. You know, so children, uh, children wonderful, wonderful people. But they're disgusting. They smell. Their hands are always greasy and sticky, and only Jesus knows where those hands have been. They're ill-mannered, they're rebellious, and they just come jump right in your lap. They don't think they'd have to deserve it. 
And you know something? We love it. We love our children being close to us. You know why? It's not because they deserve it. It's just because they're ours. You don't have to deserve God's presence. You don't deserve God's presence. We just don't deserve it. There's no condemnation. God doesn't expect you to change. God doesn't expect you to change. He knows you can't. He does expect you to walk in the Spirit. We can do that. It's easy. It's all by grace. He knows we can't change. That's what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. I can't change. I'm trying. If Paul couldn't change, you think we can? I can't change. I've tried. What's the answer? Well, there's not condemnation. See, when the devil comes and starts telling you how bad you are, just agree with him. Don't argue with him, just agree. Well, you're right, devil, boy, I tell you. But by the grace of Jesus, you know, but I walk by the grace of Jesus. Let me, let me tell you about con- condemnation is about you. Grace is about Jesus. The reason the devil wants to condemn you is to keep talking about you and keep your eyes on you. It is not about me. It never was about me. It never will be about me. It is about Jesus Christ. I will not be condemned. I will not be condemned. I'm always walking in a state of being less than God wants me to be, but I'm always walking in a state of wanting to be what God wants me to be. But it's only by grace, it's only by grace that any good thing is going to happen in my life. So if the devil's been hounding you and condemning you to keep you away from God, you listen to me, God wants you in his lap and he knows you smell. He knows all your issues and you don't bother him one bit. He loves being your daddy. I'm telling you the truth. And so don't let the devil make it about you. It's just not about you. God knows we can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. So let me, let me go into these uh, fruits of the Spirit for just a minute and talk about these, and I'll tell you some stories. But Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. So he talks about the deeds of the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, you're going to act like this. But if you walk in the Spirit, you're going to act like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Let me talk about two of these. Let me talk about goodness and self-control. Now, you have a wanter and you have a canner. Now, you may not realize that you have a wanter and a canner, but you have a wanter and a canner. And there are little switches inside of you. The doctor may not have told you this, but I'm telling you this right now. You have a little switch called a wanter and a little switch called a canner. Okay, goodness... The fruit of goodness means God comes, the Holy Spirit comes, and flips your wanter, and you want to do the right thing. Let me say this. I don't want to live the rest of my life trying not to do something I, I want to do. I don't want to spend the rest of my life trying to resist something that I really want to do. Like the, So you wake up one morning, you go in the kitchen, you get some coffee, you notice this jar of cookies. You know, and food talks to you. Did you know that? especially cookies. They talk all the time to me. Jimmy, we love you, and there's nothing wrong with you that we couldn't solve. They say it all the time. Those cookies start talking to you, and they say, hey, you need to come over here and eat us. I listened to you yesterday. I'm not listening to you today, but they get in your head. They get in your head, and you're in there brushing your teeth, and you realize your toothpaste smells like cookies. Everything looks like a cookie. So all day long, you get these cookies up in your head. Please come in here and eat us, but you don't. And you go to bed that night. You're laying in bed. You're so proud of yourself. You're thinking, I didn't eat those cookies. Well, you should have. They ruined your whole day. Just go eat the cookies. 
I don't want to live the rest of my life with cookies in my head, trying not to do something I really want to do. So what does the Holy Spirit do? He flips my wonder. And he says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change your desire. Now you're going to want to do the right thing. That's what goodness is. God gives me his good nature where I want to do the right thing. Okay, well, what's my canter? Self-control. It says the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Remember I talked about self-discipline? Self-control. What's the self-control? My canter is very weak. My wanter, even if my wanter flips, my canter is a very weak canter. So the Holy Spirit comes and he takes my human ability and he flips it and now I have supernatural ability to do the right thing. Goodness and self-control. You have a wanter and you have a canter. Now without the Holy Spirit, you're going to walk in your flesh and you've got a bad canter and a bad wanter. You don't have a chance of change. But through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is a free gift of grace that you don't have to deserve, that you can have 24 hours a day anytime you ask for it. And here's the prayer the Holy Spirit loves. I need you. He loves that prayer. And it's so funny, though, as humans, how far we have to get down before we pray that prayer. But we don't have to get down. Anywhere we are, all we have to say is, Holy Spirit, I need your help. Would you come and give me the ability to do what I can't do on my own? Well, let me tell you some stories here and I'll close um, my wife and I will be married 48 years on May the 11th. you believe that? I'm, I'm way too young to be married that long. I'm only 53. Forgive me, Jesus, for life. So we got married when we were 19 years old. I'm 67. I'll do the math for you. Um, we got married when we were 19 years old, and we had a terrible marriage. Um, we didn't know anything about marriage. I worked all the time. I golfed all the time. And um, I, it just it wore on Karen. Karen's a wonderful person. It just wore on her, and so we fought about it. And I would come home from working and golfing and stuff like that. Didn't have any energy for her. And honestly, I was a chauvinist. I just thought, she's here for me. I'm not here for her. And she just needs to be happy. She's married to Mr. Wonderful. And uh, she didn't get the memo. <laughs> so one, one morning, I woke up. Now, we, we went to church every Sunday, um, and I read the Bible every morning. I was a jerk, but I was a sanctified jerk. <laughs> and so one morning, I woke up, and I read John 16, 13. Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. So he says, the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. So... Um, that day I went and worked and golfed and came home. Karen was mad at me at the door and, and I came in. I was just in a bad mood anyway. And she, not in a bad way, but she just said, well, Jimmy, why do you play golf all the time? Why won't you come home? And I said, go, go in the room, go in your bedroom, pack your bags and get out. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of you complaining. You, I don't care where you go. You go back to your mom and dad. I don't care. You just get out of the house. So she ran in the bedroom crying and I went to the living room and, and we had been fighting for so long that, that things were just at a breaking point. So I went and sat down in the living room and I just staring at the blank TV and I just thought, I'm about to lose my marriage and I don't know what I'm going to do if she leaves. I don't know what I'm going to do if she stays. I mean, I just don't know what to do. And I remember that scripture from that morning. And I said, Holy Spirit, teach me how to be a husband because I don't know. Now, when I prayed that prayer, uh, I, I thought Karen was the problem. Uh, absolutely, I thought Karen was the problem. I thought I'd made a mistake in marrying her. 
And, and the minute before I prayed that prayer, I thought, I am Mr. Wonderful, and I just accidentally married the devil's ex-wife. I didn't know. I didn't know. The minute after I prayed that prayer, something fell off of my eyes. I don't know how to explain it. I saw Karen as the most precious woman in the world and me as the biggest jerk in the world. I literally was seeing Karen through the devil's eyes. I'd gone to bed on so much anger. And I went in and I, I apologized to Karen. And I'm in it. And I hung up my golf clubs. And I said, I'm not going to play golf anymore. I'm coming home to be with you. And so I woke up the next morning and, I, and I, I'm, I'm a different human today than I was then. You say, Jimmy, how'd you change? I woke up in the morning and I said, Holy Spirit, help me to learn to love Karen. Everything I know, that every, everything I teach people all over the world, that's how I learned it. The Holy Spirit will lead you into all... There's nothing He can... He can teach you quantum physics. There's nothing the Holy Spirit cannot teach us. But the question is, are we teachable? Do we recognize our need for the knowledge? But when I woke up, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all those kinds of things, that's the person you want to be married to. I was the opposite of those things. But my nature changed when I began to depend on the Holy Spirit. The person I am today, the marriage we have today, the family we have today... I give the Holy Spirit the credit for it. I didn't change trying to change. I changed trying to depend on the Holy Spirit. So I started smoking when I was about 15. Um, I played baseball, and my friend stole his mother's Salem cigarettes, menthol cigarettes. And we would go into the alley before baseball practice, and we would smoke those made me deathly ill every time I did it, but I hung in there and got addicted. <laughs> Took a lot of commitment on my part. And I smoked Marlboro cigarettes until uh, I was 25. So when I was 19 years old, a week after we got married, the Lord called me to preach. And so uh, I knew that someday I would preach, but I was in business with my family. And um, I, one day, I think I was probably around 23 or 24, uh, the Lord spoke to me one morning, and by, and by the way, and I would wake up every morning and have a quiet time, smoke four or five cigarettes, have coffee, smoke cigarettes. I thought, hallelujah, this is great. <laughs> Praise Jesus. You know, I did. I, and so one morning I was pr praying and smoking and everything, and the Lord said to me very sweetly, uh, he said, I can't do what I want to do in your life with you smoking. And I was smoking. And I thought, well, you know, you don't want me up here right now saying, turn to John 1, if you would. And uh, you don't want that. So I, I started trying to stop smoking. I couldn't do it. And I knew the Lord wanted me to stop. Very sweet, no condemnation whatsoever. But uh, I couldn't do it. I never made it past noon. And I would get up in the morning and throw away all my cigarettes. And I would say, today I'm going to stop smoking. And by noon, I was buying cigarettes. And it was just so frustrating. So this went on for a couple of years, and I, I didn't stop. So I, one morning, I woke up, and I realized I need to stop smoking. I, I do want to preach. I want to go into the ministry. I need to stop smoking. And I said to the Lord, Lord, I can't stop, okay. which was true. And the Lord said to me, from this point forward, every time you're tempted to smoke, I want you to say, I'm a non-smoker. And I was smoking. Lord said, put out this cigarette, and the next time you're tempted to smoke, just say, I'm a non-smoker. So I put out the cigarette, and he said, say, say I'm a non-smoker. I said, well, I'm a non-smoker. 
And he said, you say that every time you, you're tempted to smoke. So that day I went to work. I worked for my dad. He had an appliance and electronics business in Amarillo, Texas. And that day we had a huge delivery to New Mexico. We had a family that had a 30 square mile ranch in New Mexico and we were delivering tons of stuff out to them. So I went with the delivery men to make sure everything was installed properly. So we were, I was riding in the truck with this one delivery man and he smoked. So we got an hour out of town or so and he realized I wasn't smoking. And so he took his cigarettes out and said, hey, you need a cigarette? And I said, I'm a non-smoker. He said, I watched you smoke all day yesterday. I said, that was yesterday. Today I'm a non-smoker. He was on me all day long. All day long, he comes by me. You still not a smoker? I said, I'm still not a smoker. That's how I stopped smoking. I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke that day. Was I tempted to smoke? Yeah. Every time I was tempted to smoke, I said, I'm a non-smoker. That's how I stopped smoking. You say, how'd you do it? I have absolutely no idea. I have absolutely no idea. All I know is God told me to say that, and every time I said it, I was able to get through that temptation. Now, I've preached this message quite a few places, and I'm saying, people say... Pastor Jimmy, you helped me to stop drinking Diet Cokes. I was addicted to Diet Coke, and every time I start trying to drink one, I just say, I'm a non-Diet Coke drinker. And, so, and, and I'm saying that because you say, well, would it work on other areas? Give it a shot. <laughs> Give it a shot. Mark 11, in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. And I'm saying this to you. Sometimes we don't understand the power of our own confession. See, God made me in my mother's womb as a non-smoker. Somewhere along the line, the devil changed my identity into a smoker. And God was coming to me to get my identity to go back to the way he created me. And I really believe that was the power of those words. I became a non-smoker by confessing it, and that's because it was the truth. That's how God made me. And so God has the power to do anything that, that he wants to do, but we have to let our mouth be a participant in that and confess what he tells us to confess. I take no, no credit whatsoever in stopping smoking. I give all the credit to God because I, I, I'm, I'm just astonished. I'm just totally... I'm just, it was like I was a passenger just watching it all happen. Um, so... 10 or 12 years ago, I uh, went to the doctor. I have high cholesterol, always have had high cholesterol. My family doesn't have any heart problems, any problems like that. But we have high cholesterol. So my cholesterol is like 300. You go to the doctor, and, so they, and I love doctors, wonderful doctors. And this doctor said, you've got to get on medicine for your cholesterol. And I said, uh, okay. So he gave me Lipitor. Got on Lipitor. Uh, made my muscles hurt a lot. And, and Karen, my precious wife, she said, uh, this is, makes you very aggressive, Jimmy. You're very, since you got on this Lipitor, you're very aggressive and I don't like the way you're acting. One day she said to me, I would rather you die younger than act like this. <laughs> I said, thank, thank you? And then she asked me if my life insurance was paid up. That was a really <laughs> troubling, troubling conversation. So I went to the doctor. I stopped taking it. I went, I went to the doctor and he said, you still taking your medicine? I said, no, I can't take that stuff. It's killing me and changes my uh, personality and everything. So he said, well, I'll put you on another one. So he put me on another one, same thing. A couple of years later, put me on another one, couldn't take that one. Went through four cholesterol medications, all of them made me crazy and all that kind of stuff. 
So I went back to him probably five or six years ago, and he said, are you taking your medication? I said, no, nope, I'm not ever taking that again. Uh, my wife wants me to die. Uh, <laughs> I said, no. I said, I'm not taking it. I can't take that stuff anymore. And he said, what? one more, one more. This, this acts differently than the others that you've taken. This changes the way that your body metabolizes food. He says, so try this and see how it works. I said, great. So uh, I got on that medication. I gained 30 pounds in two months. Uh, I gained 50 pounds over the next 60, six months. Again, I, I weighed 220 when I started taking it. I weighed 270 six months later. And I had no metabolism. I could lick a French fry and gain a pound. <laughs> I had no metabolism whatsoever. So then I tried to start losing weight. Absolutely could not lose weight. Absolutely could not exercised my face off, did everything I know to do to lose weight, would, would, couldn't lose it, had no metabolism. So I woke up discouraged, uh, January 1st, 2018 was the date, and I woke up and I said, Holy Spirit, I, I can't lose this weight. Now, it, the, I get mad at myself of how long it takes me to ask for help. That's, that was my problem. And I said, I, I pray that you'll heal my metabolism, and I pray that you'll Give me goodness and self-control. Flip my water and flip my canner so that I can begin to lose this weight. Around noon that day, it was like a motor turned on inside of me. It was my, my metabolism came back on. It I, got, I got real hot. I got real flushed. And it was literally like I felt a motor running that I hadn't felt running in a long time. And, and I ate well, exercised, you know, it, not legalistically, but I started losing weight. So the... Um, since that day I prayed that prayer, I've lost 35 pounds. I still have 15 pounds to lose. And it doesn't take discipline. It just takes focus. When I wake up in the mornings and I focus and I say, Holy Spirit, give me grace today. Change my water. Change my canner. Um, and I do that. That's when I lose weight. Uh, when I don't lose weight or when I gain weight back is when I don't focus. I do it. But, I, but it doesn't take a lot of self-discipline. Um, the... In being overweight, in getting to that 270, what I realized was a lot of people who are overweight are very disciplined people. They're just battling their own metabolism or hormones or physical issues, something like that. It gave me a lot of compassion uh, for people who struggle with their weight because it's something that isn't always because a person's undisciplined. Sometimes it's just because they have physical issues. And so in my case, I've never struggled with my weight until I took that medicine. And that medicine messed with me. It caused me to gain it. I'm saying this to you, and that is the Holy Spirit is your precious friend. He's always with you, and he will help you change anything you want to change. You, you have you have 0% chance on your own. You are your own biggest problem. That's what the Apostle Paul said. But the Holy Spirit is our best friend. You don't deserve him. I don't deserve him. He's free, though. He comes as a gift of grace. There's no condemnation. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus will set you free from the law of sin and death. As weak as your flesh is, God could not work through your flesh. He'll have to work through the spirit. But you can change anything. You can change it. What do you want to stop doing that you're doing? Just say, Holy Spirit, I need your help. I need you to help me. I'm weak and I can't do this. He'll, he would love to help you. What is it that you need to start doing that you're not doing? He'll help you. He'll help you to change that. Bow your heads with me if you would. Holy Spirit, Jesus sent you to us 
as an eternal gift to help us live the way that we should. And what we say to you today is we cannot do it without you. We cannot do it. We have tried our dead level best and we can't do it. And Satan comes to us constantly to condemn us, to convince us that we're no good, that we're second-class citizens because we make mistakes. And we say right now that we are the righteousness of God in Christ. We do not receive any condemnation for our failures. But rather, we trust in your grace and mercy, Lord. We believe that your throne is a throne of grace and we're going to jump in Daddy's lap regardless of what we smell like or what we've done, because the only place we're going to get better is in your presence. Holy Spirit, give us, these precious saints of God, give us the ability to stop doing things that we're doing that we know we shouldn't do. Supernaturally, give us the grace every day as we depend on you to stop the habits, the, the, the bondages, the addictions, whatever it might be, Help us to start doing the things that we should do. Give us, change our wanter and change our canter. I'm especially praying for people who are struggling with their weight or physical issues. You raised Jesus from the dead and our physical issues are just no challenge to you. We put our faith in your power and in your love. And we ask you to heal us from the top of our head to the tip of our toes. I'm asking you to heal metabolisms here today and hormones here today that are preventing people from losing weight and, and being who God wants them to be. I pray for a, a, just a divine act of God for you to move in their lives. Thank you for this precious congregation, these precious people. I pray your blessing on them in every single regard. Everything that you came to die for and be resurrected for, I pray that you'd open the windows of heaven and pour out on them so that they couldn't receive it. It would be such a, a bountiful amount. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us here today for this week's message. And here at Victory Church, we are called to equip people to live in His presence, move beyond ourselves, and be transformed. And this can only happen through your radical generosity, your serving, and your prayers. If this message or any of our messages have impacted your life and you would like to partner with us by giving into this ministry, you can do so by visiting our website at victory.church give. Thank you again for joining us and have a great day.